With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Matt Miller, joined as always by my buddy Connor Rogers. And we're going to do something a little different on today's show. You can probably tell I'm hurrying, uh, talking, I'm excited. You know, normally we would come in here and we would take you around the league and talk about rumors and news. And we would do a college player to know, and then we would have a guest. Today we said, fuck it, we're not going to do any of that. We're going to do a mock draft because we're at the middle of the season and you guys are draft fans and we're draft fans and we just want to have some fun. And I I know a lot of people will say, man, it's too early for a mock draft. In my opinion, a mock draft is like the perfect exercise right now because it's a it's a marriage of team needs and player value. And I, and I do think that's what a lot of people want. So. Dude, I am. I'm excited. I got all 32 teams mapped out here. How about you? Yeah, me too. I'm really excited. I, I just wrote one recently this weekend on Fenrex Sports, and uh, I got mine all mapped out here. And I do think I think you make a really good point. I think what mock drafts is you're looking to get intro to the players and the team needs more than actually nailing the pick at this point. So oh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, and if you want more of the like around the league and fixing a team, just remember we got a new podcast that comes out every Friday morning called Stick to Football Fridays with me and Mello. So yeah, uh, you get a little like you'll probably get a little more, uh, you know, league wide information on that show this week. I think we're actually going to fix the, you know, I actually don't remember now. We decided who we we're going to fix, and then I forgot. So um, we're going to fix somebody. I think the Buccaneers actually. That's who we're set to to fix Man, this week. So who who would have thought whew, that before the season started? As well, you better wrecked. find them. You better find them a head coach. Yeah. So and a backup quarterback, uh, given everything that's going on right now. So. Before we jump into the mock draft, this this news broke right before we recorded. It's Tuesday morning. We're recording this. And Bob Kravitz, who's very plugged in in Indianapolis, posted this story that Adam Schefter retweeted onto my timeline. That's how I saw it. There's a huge problem brewing between Jim Ursay and Andrew Luck. That's the rumor. And we kind of we kind of heard this, right? That maybe, you know, Kravitz or excuse me, Ursay had said some things about this is all in Luck's head. He's not really that hurt. Which is a dangerous, dangerous accusation yes. to. Oh man, um, it's and Ursay. It's not Jim Ursay is a lot like me. Sometimes he just starts talking, and then after <laughs> is like, "Oh damn it, what did I just do?" You know, like there's there's probably going to be a walk back moment at any time now. But I, and I'm I'm getting somewhere with this. I swear. Would you, if you are you're you're the Jets, okay? Congratulations, by the way, on Ooh. your season. Yeah, you, you're probably exec of the year at this point. I was going to say, I'm, I'm due for a promotion somewhere. You have, a, possible. you have a first round pick, two second round picks. Would you trade for Andrew Luck? Would you trade your whole draft for Andrew Luck? Uh, do I get confirmation that he will be healthy to start next season? I mean, you can run him through a physical. but Yeah, If listen, if I know that that shoulder will heal and I have a healthy Andrew Luck for next season... I would trade the Jets' entire draft. And here's why. I think, number one, you're not going to find a quarterback in this year's class with Andrew Luck's talent. 
And I think you won't be able to get one anyway at the top of the draft because the Jets are winning too many games. I think they're going to beat Tampa this weekend and go back to 500. They will have five wins, which is unbelievable. And you have $80 million in cap space to plug in your needs. Now, I understand you're going to be taking on a cap hit with luck, but the bottom line is you're still going to have money to spend to, say, go get another wide receiver. You're going to be able to maybe sign a pass rusher. I would, I would do it. I just would be so shocked if if the Andrew Luck is truly healthy, if the Colts would trade him. It'd be shocking. It would be really mind-blowing. And that's what we heard. Like, when this came out earlier this year, I can't remember where. I was on the road somewhere. And this came out, and we were talking about it. And, you know, there were some scouts there. And I was like, hey, what do you guys think? Like, would you do this? And they were, they're scouts. You know, they're not making decisions. But they all, they're like us. They live in this world of what would I do if. And they're all like, yeah, absolutely. The problem is there's no way the Colts would do this. You know, you don't I don't know if a lot of fans realize how much the NFL loves Andrew Luck. Like he's he's like a deity because he's so rare in terms of intelligence and work ethic and athleticism. And, you know, there's a reason why he's the highest graded prospect I've ever rated. And even if, you know, he's played with a hurt shoulder the last three years, so you might be able to say like, oh, he really hasn't lived up to it. But He's really, really good and really, really respected. And like you said, he's still young and that that stuff's very hard to find. So it's it's like an interesting story to to watch. And I, yeah, I guess on my side of it, if I were the Jets, I would definitely do it. The Browns have 12 picks in this year's draft. And, you know, like I don't I don't want to like go full on Mike Ditka here and trade my whole draft for Ricky Williams, but yep. um man, it's it would be tempting. And and I'm but sure it's that, quarterback. That's the right. difference. There's probably also no way that Luck would willingly go to the Browns, you know. So like, that, oh yeah, that's going to be a problem. God, you know, hell it would no. be, I think it would be a lot like Garoppolo if it ever got to that point where, like, Garoppolo didn't. I, I know. I think I said this last week on the show. It's not like he could say, "Hey, I'm not going there," but he could say, "If you trade me to Cleveland, I will. I will never resign with them." You know, it'll have to be a franchise deal after after franchise tag and Kirk Cousins situation. Kirk Cousins situation, again, but I think with San ugly. Francisco, you're like, oh yeah, I would, I could, I could see myself playing there forever, things like that. So, I, I just wanted to talk about that off the top because I have a feeling it's going to be a big story, and it it does relate to what we're about to do with this full one round mock draft, all 32 picks. So, I, I guess the best way to do this, man, is we'll just go back and forth. Um, you know, my pick, your pick, and and maybe a quick discussion if we're if we're real different on players or or something like that. So the Browns no are the Browns are on the clock and I I posted a draft order and my Twitter mentions have been ridiculous with this because the Niners are 0 and 9 so people think they should have the first pick. That yep. does not matter. Draft order is determined by winning percentage and strength of schedule. That's it. So if you're 0 and 8 and the Niners are 0 and 9 but your strength of schedule is worse, you have the first pick. And that's where we're at with this. So I, I know like draft order is so confusing to people. They think head-to-head factors in. It, it doesn't. It's winning percentage and strength of schedule. That's it. So don't overthink this shit. The Browns are on the clock, and I, I'm going quarterback. I know I've I've kind of like hemmed and hauled on here before and been like, oh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. After they just completely messed up the trade for AJ McCarron, I think they go quarterback. Who knows, man? I also don't think the this staff will be there next year. I think we see a new front office, a new head coach. I think everybody's just fucking gone and they clean house. And you started over with Josh Rosen, quarterback from UCLA, who is your top quarterback in this draft. 
Yeah, he's he's you know, there is no Andrew Luck, but he might be like a Matt Ryan type. And he might be when it's all said and done, he might be pretty close to what Jared Goff was, especially in terms of body and athleticism and throwing motion and the footwork, all the things that we liked about Goff. I could see everyone loving about Josh Rosen. Yeah, I think that's kind of why I liked Rosen so much from the start. And he's still my number one quarterback. I don't think he'll move there, which is rare for me, having a guy that was my number one quarterback coming out of the summer and staying that way all year. I do really like the blend you just said. A little bit of golf. Maybe that's why, you know, we do like him a lot. Or, you know, a little bit of Eli Manning, the good and the bad. Not Eli anymore, but what Eli was five, six, seven, eight years ago. Rosen is a guy that you can 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 win you games. He's not a guy that you're saying, oh, we just need him to manage the game. He can go out and win you games, but he's so volatile. And you do have a little, you know, a little bit of concern about the injury history. It'll vary team by team whether they're concerned about his mental makeup. That's what's going to be really interesting to see here if he does go number one or not. I went Sam Darnold. And now keep in mind, this is not what I would necessarily do, but I think this is what's going to happen. I I think Sam Darnold's going to be viewed, and this is really funny the way it's going to be viewed. He's going to be viewed as the safest option at quarterback in this draft, even though he hasn't taken care of the football at all and hasn't taken the steps that people expected him to. But he's obviously young and still growing. He's going to have the best character grade, I think, in this draft. At the quarterback position, definitely. Maybe overall. I think Saquon Barkley will be right up there, too. Minka Fitzpatrick. But when you look at Darnold, teams are going to fall in love with his accuracy, his short-to-intermediate passing, most importantly, his character, his youth, his ability to grow. And I do think if a new front office and new coaching staff comes in, they'll view a guy like Darnold as, you know, they feel like they won't miss with him, and they could hopefully get a middle-of-the-pack quarterback. Yeah, and we're including him here because I know there's been a ton of talk about, oh, he's not coming out. He nobody said knows. That. No, yeah, I nobody don't even knows. think he knows. I know. If I told you that yeah. Saturday we were having lunch, and we were kind of talking about all this stuff, and I was like, I don't even think Darnold knows. Why are we in such a hurry to say he is or isn't? We have until January 15th or 15th or 16th this year, depending on what day that the week it falls on. Who cares? Like, if he comes out, this is where he's projected. If he doesn't come out, Okay, we'll take him off the list and put him on next year's. I don't yep. I don't know why there's such a everybody gets so up in arms about, oh, he's not coming out. Uh okay, so uh, pick number 2, San Francisco 49ers. We went completely different directions here. I went running back Saquon Barkley. I, I think after trading for Jimmy Garoppolo, you give up a second round pick for him. Now you have some flexibility. They have needs across the board. And I think one area and it's it's tough to evaluate a front office off one year. Uh, because you know, last year was John Lynch's first year. It was Kyle Shanahan's first year. They went out and tried to buy an offense, and they tried to draft the defense. You know, they they paid Pierre Garcon, they paid uh, Juice at fullback, they paid Marquise Goodwin, and then you look at what they did on defense. They drafted. I mean, it was Salma Thomas, Ruben Foster, Akella Witherspoon. I think this year that flips, and I think we see them try to try to build Kyle an offense. Obviously, they're doing it. You know, by using draft capital, you trade for Garoppolo. If Barkley is sitting there at pick two, and you just kind of mentioned it, I think the combination of character, work ethic, athleticism, traits, production, all the things that we, if you were going to make a checklist, all the things you would put on a list to evaluate a running back, Barkley is going to be higher than any running back I've ever graded. Better than Zeke, better than Fournette, better than Gurley. And I'll, listen, I'll, I'll laugh at myself here. Better than Trent Richardson, who people forget was a highly, highly rated prospect out of out of Alabama. Even though it was a miss, 
he was still highly graded. I think Barkley is just as beautiful as they come. I mean, he's a 10 when it comes to running back prospects. Yeah, I completely agree. I think the difference with Barkley and Richardson, too, once again, I know we beat this into the ground, but I don't think people realize how important it is, is character. I think Richardson ended up getting really lazy and just kind of sloppy with his money and who his supporting cast was. Barkley is has all-world work ethic, and that will make him a top-five selection at the running back position, which is very hard to do these days. I went with Bradley Chubb here for the 49ers, which I know is probably not too common right now, but I think when you look at how they've built this defensive line, they've done such a nice job building the interior with three first-round picks. They need an edge rusher. It's as simple as that. And Bradley Chubb is a top-five talent in this class. Another guy, all-world character, alpha male, uh, just a fantastic player off the edge. Uh, The reason being I I stayed away from Barkley was because I think Shanahan will go look for his running back in later rounds. I think if you look at the guys Shanahan has had success with, he's just doesn't strike me as a guy that's going to use a premium pick. And Shanahan's calling a lot of the shots there, we've heard, Matt, is that he's the guy with final say. So he, he has say over personnel. I do think they may, maybe they look later in the draft. There's a lot of different outside zone running backs that they can target later in the draft. And I think they see that edge is a premium position that they have to spend a premium pick on to get the necessary talent they need. So I went with who I think is the best pass rusher in the draft and Bradley Chubb. Yeah, I think he is too. The, my question to you would be, I because I've done this, I've, I've projected this pick before Niner fans are like, there's no way we're going to spend four straight first round picks on the defensive line. Does that factor in for you? And, it, you know, two of those picks were the previous regime. But does when you start to look forward, is that something that is going to sit in the back of your mind? Because I know it will for me of like, oh, God, that that's a lot of it's a lot of picks tied up at one spot. Yeah, I think it will, because I've seen the Jets do it and I've seen the PR feedback with it before. You know, obviously, when they took <laughs> Leonard Williams, right. they already had Mo Wilkerson, Sheldon Richardson just felt like D-line, D-line, D-line. I think, though, you made the great point of. They didn't make two of those picks, and I think I could see them looking to move a guy like Eric Armstead in the offseason, maybe. Maybe he just hasn't been what they were hoping for, and not to be fair, it wasn't their pick. I think Buckner's fine. I think Solomon Thomas will be fine. I think they need to build out a more rounded-out defensive line. My honest prediction here, I don't even think they make this pick. I think they trade out for yeah, a when all said and done. I think they would, too. Uh, a team they might trade that to. Pick number three, the New York Giants. Uh, cannot believe that they are one and seven and, and drafting here. The Giants and Niners play this weekend. So that, that game will have a lot of, of draft implications. So I went quarterback here and we just flipped. Like you had Darnold first, I had Rosen first. Now I have Darnold third. I think the Giants need a quarterback of the future. I don't know if it's Davis Webb. But I know Davis Webb is not Sam Darnold. So if you have the chance to get Sam Darnold, you go get him. And I I know I said that before. If the Giants have a top five pick, they have to take a quarterback because you look at premier positions, they don't need a pass rusher. There's not a left tackle I would draft in the top five. So it really boils down to, okay, and we also need a quarterback. I don't think all the struggles this year are on Eli Manning. It would be unfair to point the finger purely at him. But we have to find out because he is getting older and he is regressing. you got to find out if Davis Webb's the future. But if you're drafting this early, I think you get Sam Darnold. And and then, hey, guess what? You have two valuable young quarterbacks. You could move one, uh, especially you get that behind-the-door look of, okay, Darnold versus Webb, which guy do we like more? 
and you can you you're kind of like the Patriots at that point where you have the flexibility to take one of your one of your young quarterbacks and trade them away and, and recoup some draft picks. So I went quarterback here, and you did as well. It looks like I was going to say I had the same thought process as you here. I obviously have. Darnold off the board already, and I went with Rosen, who I think will be the second quarterback taken in this draft. I see so much upside with this pick. My biggest question here is, who's going to be making this pick? Is Jerry Reese going to be making this pick? Is Ben McAdoo still going to be the coach? But either way, if whether they stay or go, I think this pick has to be a quarterback. I think the Giants need to accept that the Eli Manning era is either over or it's on its final year. I know Giants fans will want to see the offensive line upgraded here, but I say this over and over again. You are only at the top of the draft so many times unless you are the Cleveland Browns, so you have to go get your quarterback. Absolutely. Uh, okay, number four, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, guess what? Same player right here. This me is and you. an easy one for both of yeah. us. Alabama safety, Minka Fitzpatrick. Not only is it a need, but they need a culture change there. I do like guys like Noah Spence and Vernon Hargraves and Levante David, Quan Alexander, but they need more of that. And they need it with some young guys who can step up and be, you said it with Chubb earlier, like an alpha male, a true leader. That's what Fitzpatrick is. I do think he's a safety in the NFL who could play some corner, but it 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 goes that way. It's not like Jalen Ramsey where uh, he's a corner who can play safety. I think Fitzpatrick is a safety who can line up and play some slot corner when he has to. Yeah, exactly. I think he fills so many needs for them. This is a secondary that needs help. They need leaders. This is the best player available at this point, uh, except you know from who I'm going to take next. But the point is, <laughs> best player available on defense. I think this is just a home run pick for the Bucks. Number five, the Indianapolis Colts. And I went defense here just knowing and having understood and like studied Chris Ballard's drafts the free agencies and even guys that he advocated for when he was with Kansas City I think pass rusher will be way atop his need I want Bradley Chubb uh the your guy that you had at number two overall from NC State like you said production is there traits are there character and work ethic are there he's going to test exceptionally well at 6'3 275 the one caveat I'll put on this was that I had heard the Colts were at least calling around trying to trade Anthony Costanzo so if he's let go or moved in the offseason, I could see this become an offensive tackle like Mike McGlinchey or Connor Williams. But for now, I went pass rusher with Bradley Chubb. Yeah, I took Saquon Barkley here. Obviously, he was already no off the board. Yeah. He was off the board for you. He was not for me. No brainer. Barkley makes it into the top five. Keep Andrew Luck. Draft Saquon Barkley. You're finally building something in Indianapolis. Yeah, and speaking of building something, we both looked at the Cincinnati Bengals and went, Ooh, Ooh, easy. <laughs> that offensive line. And I take I know a some, Notre Dame guy, right? Right. Some fans will be like, oh, we got to go quarterback. I don't know that you have to go quarterback this early. I think a lot of Andy Dalton's struggles this year are offensive line and coach related. So let's try to fix that because he was good enough to get to the playoffs, what, three years in a row? So I went guard Quentin Nelson. Uh, I, I They have two young tackles who haven't been great, but they are invested in. And you, you have to hope that because they came out of these, you know, super athletic spread systems that Jake Fisher and Cedric Aboy, he can be developed kind of like Eric Fisher was. So I went Quentin Nelson. I think he is a plug and play pro bowler at left guard, kind of like Zach Martin was coming out of Notre Dame. He could probably play center. He could play right guard. He might be able to play right tackle. Um, he, he's just that talented. So I, I've, I've said it on Twitter. I know you've said it a lot. Quentin Nelson's one of the five best players in this draft. If he's here for the Bengals, it's not sexy, but I, I think it's a smart pick for a team that needs to get back on track. 
Yeah, I think he's just a fantastic player. Like we said, he's a top five player. The thing, the caveat here is that I really struggled with when writing this mock is that he is a guard and, and or a center or bottom line, interior offensive line. Will the NFL put a premium on that this year for a talent like Quentin Nelson? I took Mike McGlinchey just because I feel like he's getting away from what's killed the Bengals for a couple of years now. You know, when they drafted Fisher, when they drafted Abwehi, betting on athleticism at the tackle position, but guys that just aren't refined. McGlinchey's played a ton. I think he has pretty good technique. Is he going to be an elite left tackle in the league like a Tyron Smith? No, he's not that guy. But can you get maybe a Taylor Decker-esque player, you know, a, a above-average offensive tackle, at finally, to come in and start right away and help Andy Dalton? And maybe we see Hugh Jackson return to Cincinnati next year. Who knows? And get that Bengals offense back on track. Yeah, so the Browns are back on the board. Uh, thanks to the <laughs> trade with the Houston Texans, they're picking at one and at seven. I went wide receiver Calvin Ridley here. I think it's a little bit of a reach. I do like Ridley a lot. I don't know that he'll test well enough to be drafted this early, but they have missed so badly at wide receiver. You know, you look at the 2016 draft, they spent four draft picks on receivers. None of them are any good. They let Terrell Pryor go. You signed Kenny Britt, who, guess what, also is not any good. It's time to start this shit over. I took Drew Rosen first overall. Give me Calvin Ridley at seven. Duke Johnson in the backfield, a good offensive line. David Njoku, Seth DeValve, that's a that's an offense that you can build around and you can grow with. Uh, again, this is more of a what I would do mixed in with what I'm hearing kind of thing, but I expect that front office to be gone, so I'm not trusting a whole lot of what I'm hearing in Cleveland as far as long-term plans right now. Yeah, I took a similar approach to you where I said, I feel like the pick I made was a reach, but I feel like they still got a football, a good football player in probably a not so great class. I took Denzel Ward out of Ohio State, a cornerback that, listen, do I think Ward's this number one shutdown corner? No, but do I think he's a very good starting corner? Yes, and I think the Browns have to get good football players. They need corners. They let Joe Hayden go and got nothing in return. They need to rebuild the secondary a little bit. I, I will die on the hill that Jabril Peppers was not a first-round player, and they went ahead and did that anyway. So I think you make a really good point. Ridley might seem like a reach there, but they need a good wide receiver. My point is Ward might seem like a reach here, but they really they need a good cornerback. Just get good football players in the building, Cleveland. Yeah, and Denzel Ward got just feisty as hell, so he would be a, a, a tough guy. If Greg Williams sticks around, he would absolutely love, uh, love Denzel Ward. All right, L.A. Chargers are on the board at pick number eight. I'm going to stick with what I've been doing for them. I think this is actually a hard team to draft for because they have a lot of good young players. Their pass rushers are elite. They have a good running back. They drafted last year to improve the interior offensive line. So I'm going to go quarterback, developmental quarterback in Josh Allen at Wyoming. He is not ready to play right away. This is a Pat Mahomes situation where you, know, you put the red shirt on the kid and we'll see him in 2019. Uh, but I do love his traits. That's the thing that people have to remember. We... We and the NFL evaluate so much off traits. Josh Allen, strongest arm I've ever seen. Phenomenal foot athleticism. And the Chargers don't have a quarterback of the future. They have nothing. So get Josh Allen in there. I, I know it doesn't help you right away, but it will help for the future. And I think that's a huge need for them. And I went the other way and got them help right away. I took Connor Williams, the offensive tackle out of Texas. 
I just feel like the Chargers are going to try to ride this thing out with Phillip Rivers, try to build a winning culture again to establish some kind of fan base in Los Angeles. Now, you know, they do need to get quarterbacks. So I totally understand the Allen pick, a place where he could sit for maybe two years before having to step on the field. But I think if Phillip Rivers has any say, he's going to want that offensive line, especially the tackle position, improved. So I went with the best tackle that was left on the board in Williams. Yeah, so funny enough, turn it around, the Bears at number nine. I went Connor Williams. And I know it's not the biggest need. They just gave Charles Charles Leno, excuse me, a ton of money. I, I actually think Leno could be pushed over to right tackle and be better. Uh, Connor Williams has had an interesting year. Um, started out week one against Maryland, and he was the hands-down top tackle in the class. And he went out and really had a bad game against Maryland. And it was a new offensive system. I've heard rumors that maybe he was already hurt with this MCL sprain. He did not look good against Maryland. Then against USC, uh, two weeks later, he is hurt, and he's been out ever since. I don't know if we'll see him again this year. It's kind of been left up in the air. And here's another guy we were talking about Saturday at lunch, you and I. I've heard he'll go top 15. I've also heard scouts who have like a third-round grade on this kid right now. So... And it doesn't matter what an, an area scout could have a three on a guy and his general manager might think he's a top 10 pick. So it doesn't it doesn't matter at this stage, but it's important to like point out to you guys that there is a wide range of opinions right now on Connor Williams. And maybe he does come back and put some really good tape out there like his first two years were where he only allowed one sack and it was on a quarterback scramble. It was rarely penalized. So he kind of needs a bounce back here, but I, I think he's the, the type of, tackle and the type of athlete the Bears just really don't have. Yeah, I think that's a really good point is that there's so many guys where people are like, well, this guy's not a first-round player. This guy's not a first-round player. I mean, look at Christian Hackenberg going in round two, for instance. All it takes is somebody being that big of a fan and wanting the player. Mike McCagnins seemed to be all over Christian Hackenberg from the start. So that's just a, you know an example of how GMs can come in and say, well, this is my guy, and I don't care if we're reaching. What I did here for the Bears is I, I took Calvin Ridley and this is a very similar thought process of when you took Ridley to the Browns two picks ago, I think the Bears have to get Mitch Trubisky some help at wide receiver. What they've trotted out there this year for him is borderline embarrassing. I don't care if Ridley isn't getting first-round grades here to say. you know Maybe he's an early second-round kind of guy on the grading scale of the NFL where not every every year there's 32 first-round players. I think Ridley can come in pro-ready routes, I think he'd be a reliable target for Trubisky. Get your young quarterback some help. Maybe go get someone else in free agency, and you're starting to cook on offense a little bit for the future. Nice. Cannot argue with that. They need a receiver in a bad way. The Denver Broncos, another team we did not expect to see picking this early, but here they are at number 10. They have a lot of needs. The I think the offensive line is still a question mark, even though they've allocated some resources there. They're going to have to start turning over talent at corner, at pass rusher. The quarterback situation's a mess. But I went pass rusher here, Arden Key from LSU, who in the last two weeks has been the best pass rusher in college football. Now that he's playing at a healthy weight, he's back from the shoulder injury. It's not the biggest need with Von Miller and Shane Ray there, but this team was at their best when they did have you know DeMarcus Ware in there as well, giving you that third pass rusher. Uh, you need guys uh, who can rotate and also just some youth at that position. So I went Arden Key, even though it, it leaves a huge question mark at the quarterback position still. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's interesting. I think Shaq Barrett's going to hit free agency this year, so maybe there is a little opening yeah. for some pass rush, pass rush snaps there, and Key has been a hell of a... It's funny, Key was at the top, you know, before he left school for a little bit, had the surgery, then he fell back down a little bit, and now it feels like he's rising again. But 
I, I threw out a complete wild card here and took Lamar Jackson for the Broncos. Whoa. My thought here is that, and I would be shocked a little bit if Elway did this, but Elway's drafts recently have not been good. They have no answer at quarterback right now. I'm not a believer in Paxton Lynch. We'll see if he could figure it out next year, get healthy, you know, hopefully take some steps. But are you going to bet on him to save a win-now team? I, I took Lamar Jackson. I think with Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders in place, maybe get the run, continue to get the run game going. You have a great defense that is built like a win-now defense. Take the wild card, swing for the fences, take Lamar Jackson, and see if you can get back in the playoffs next year. It's a little crazy, but I like it. It's only crazy if it doesn't work, right? That's right. (laughs) The Baltimore Ravens at 11. This is a good team that has struggled offensively, and so I went pass rusher, uh, which I know everybody's going to be like, what the hell are you doing here? I just don't, don't like the value of the other receivers here. I went Harold Landry. It would be a best player available pick, but also looking to the future. Uh, Terrell Suggs is getting older, I, and I've I've thought for years now they need another young pass rusher. Uh, I don't love Zadarius Smith. I think Tim Williams, the drafted in the third round last year, is a complete wild card because of the off-field stuff. So this is, again, just the best player available pick, but I, I also think that's what makes Ozzie Newsom so great is that he will just stick to the board and take the best guy there. No doubt, and it'll be interesting to see. One thing, just to get off the top, be interesting to see if this is the year Eric DaCosta finally is on the move from Baltimore. He's had so many interviews over the years, and he's just kind of been waiting behind Ozzie, obviously, there. And it's going to be really interesting to see if he finds his home this year. It seems like he's been sitting back waiting. Maybe the Giants job opens up. Maybe that's something he'd be interested in. But getting back to the pick, I took Deion Kane here because I feel like the Ravens have been swinging for the fences for their big play guy and just keep missing. Brashad Perriman, to me, seems like a disaster pick. I think Kane isn't going to test the same freakish way, but he's been Mr. Big Play, especially when he was playing with Deshaun Watson. I believe he averaged like 17 yards a catch and 19 yards a yep. catch in his two seasons with Watson. Obviously, it's been a little different this year with a new quarterback. Don't read into his numbers too much. Kane is a big play wide receiver, and the Ravens clearly have interest in getting Joe Flacco, you know, a guy that can be that. So let's go with Kane and get this offense going a little bit. I like it. Yeah, much better than the numbers. Oakland Raiders, uh, now at pick 12. Uh, let's do, uh, we'll get past your Jets. We'll take our, our first quick break here. Ball, uh, excuse me, Oakland at 12. Donald Penn is getting older. He also just held out. I'm going offensive tackle. Mike McGlinchey from Notre Dame. I think he's a perfect fit for what they want to do, which is power run, a lot of play action. I know some folks in the NFL think he's a better right tackle. I think he's going to be fine at left tackle, but guess what? Right tackle is also a need for the Raiders. Uh, I feel like they've missed on a couple guys at tackle in the past, so this opens it up a little bit of a safer guy who easy to evaluate because he's coming out of a scheme that's very, very similar to what you're going to ask him to do at the next level. So whether he's an upgrade from Marshall Newhouse or eventually Donald Penn's replacement, I think the value here is also pretty great. Yeah, and I think we've seen with the decline of their offensive line this year, Derek Carr's confidence is just completely different. When he had an elite offensive line, he was such a better player. So they really do have to go find you know an upgrade at tackle and get their franchise quarterback to be a, a confident passer again. I went with Deron Payne here. I think he's been an absolute freak for Alabama. I think the Raiders are a team that needs to get some talent on the interior defensive line. So take the best, who I think is the best one here in Payne. You can always rely on those defensive linemen from Alabama. Payne's the next really, really good one. So, you know, uh, uh, Jihad Ward has been a complete bust for them as well, and I think they need to correct that mistake right away. Love it. All right, your New York Jets are on the board. Ooh, buddy. <laughs> so I went Denzel Ward here. 
Uh, I think they need corners. Morris Claiborne's going to be a free agent. They really don't have... I know they traded for Rashad Robinson, but he's a wild card. They don't really have that like, dude of the future. I think depth is also a need here. So Denzel Ward, he's a little bit short, but he's long-armed. He's physical at the line of scrimmage. He's physical in the run game. I, I think he also fits that like, cocky, confident defense that they're building there and would just slide right in with Jamal Adams and Marcus May and, and really give them a strength on defense. Yeah, Todd Bowles' defense needs corners, and their best one, Morris Claiborne, is going to hit free agency this year. So if they're not able to bring him back, you're looking at a pretty you know, pretty good amount of question marks. Buster Screen has not had a good year. He's under contract for next year. Dale Roberts has really overachieved. Justin Burris has been you know, on and off. Like you said, Robinson is a complete wild card. So they will need cornerbacks, but they also need an edge rusher. So I took Harold Landry here. Him still being on the board, you know, senior player, Good pass rusher, really good bend and dip ability around the edge. The Jets don't have anyone that could do that. The pass rush has not been good this year. I know they had seven sacks against the Bills, but before that, and that's because Tyrod really didn't stay in the pocket too much. They just can't really get you know get after the quarterback, and they have to solve that right away. The cheapest and most efficient way is at the top of the draft. I love it. That is That has been a huge need for them for years. I mean, since Rex Ryan. They, they've definitely needed a pass rusher, so great pick. Um, it's it's funny. We are very similar on a lot of these. And then on others, we're like, I'm going defensive end. You're going quarterback for the same team. So it just goes to show. And a lot of these same arguments are going to be happening in buildings as teams get together for scout meetings. So it, it'll be fun. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and finish this thing out. Then we'll take another break and we'll bring Kennedy on to do draft on drafts. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to part two of this mock draft that we're running through. We left off with the New York Jets. Let's pick it right back up with the Arizona Cardinals at pick 14. I went quarterback here. You got to get a quarterback of the future. Lamar Jackson. I know it points this year. I've been down on him. The more I study, the more I'm like not okay with some of his flaws, but I see that they're fixable and coachable. And that's the same with every quarterback in this class. So I think I'm buying in a little bit more to his potential I think for Arizona, you have no idea what Carson Palmer is. We also don't even know Bruce Arians is going to be back there next year. So starting over a little bit, I think a quarterback like Lamar Jackson could really help them out. Yeah, I think they have to get a quarterback. It's gonna. This would be a really interesting fit. There's so many questions like, will Bruce Arians be there next year? You know, are they just going to ride this out? And I mean, I mean, think that's over, right? Like, you can't just keep riding this out with Carson Palmer. Right? Besides the fact that he hasn't been healthy, he wasn't that good anyway. So it's interesting. The, the rise of Lamar Jackson, I think, goes to show you he's been obviously he's freakishly talented. He's been very good overall this year, but it also shows you the demand of quarterbacks like by each draft. So Jackson already, you know, inching up into the top 20 picks here. I went with Quentin Nelson because I already had Lamar Jackson off my board, Josh Rosen's off my board, Sam Darnold's off my board. I don't know if they'll be willing to take on a project like Josh Allen just yet. I don't really see Baker Mayfield being an Arians guy. Um, I, Quentin Nelson was the best player I had left available. This is an offensive line that desperately needs help. And when the best offensive lineman in the entire draft is sitting right there for you, just take him. It's, an, it's very easy and start building the base of the offense again. 
I like it. And uh, yeah, if he's there, a great pick for them. Detroit Lions, guess what? Same pick, me and you. Darius Geis, running back from LSU. Easy. <laughs> I think even after watching uh, all the fumble problems with Amir Abdullah in college and again in the NFL, and it's just, it's an issue. And the dude has speed, he has burst, he has some vision and some shake, but if you can't hold on to the ball, you can't play. Darius Geis, uh, you said it best this summer when we talked about him that he is a, was he an angry ballerina? He's, he's the angry ballerina. It's like graceful running, but he also looks like he just wants to mow everything down his path when he gets a clear shot. So yeah. also a great I, I love guys. Yeah. yeah. And like you've said, you've heard such great character things on him. You know, you talk about how you've been very plugged in at LSU. You were well ahead of the curve on Jamal Adams before the rest of the world was last year when we were doing the draft show on Facebook Live. So I think with guys here, yes, it's a running back in the first round. And that seems to be so taboo at times. But He's talented enough, and if you're the Lions, and you and you said it perfectly, if you watch Monday Night Football, it's just, when are they going to get a definitive answer at running back? Amir Abdullah has obviously been very good in flashes. Theo Riddick is a nice, you know, third-down pass-catching kind of back, but go get a workhorse back that you can funnel your offense through and, and help Matt Stafford in the passing game, open it up a little bit. So, I, I and once again, this is another situation where he's probably the one of the best players on the board, so this shouldn't be that hard in this situation. Yeah, would be. All right, the team they uh, beat last night, just remember, head-to-head doesn't matter when it comes to draft order. That's why it works out this way. Uh, The Green Bay Packers at 16. Uh, I think you look at that team, and they just need a ton on defense, right? They Even after last year, they need a lot of help on defense. So I went edge, uh, Cleveland Farrell from Clemson, a little bit of a bigger pass rusher, but I think is a good fit with that scheme and gives them just exactly what they need with some athletic pressure, Coming off the edge. So I went pass rusher in Cleveland Farrell. You went pass rusher, someone else. That's right. Hercules Mata'afa out of Washington State. And, and kind of with the same thought process as you is let's get Green Bay some pass rushing juice off the edge here. A guy that's explosive out of his stance off the snap and a guy that can really make a quarterback stay awful. Mata'afa is interesting to me because his sacks come in spurts. He's had a couple, you know, multi sack games this year. He's had a lot of pressures. He can make plays, he can get the strip sack. I, he's been a big riser this year. I don't think a lot of people were talking about him in the top 75, top 50, you know, and I think he will go in that. I really like this fit here in Green Bay, you know, and it was interesting. I did pass on Arden Key here just because I do think he has some questions to answer that aren't talent related. So, but I, I do have a feeling when all is said and done, Key will rise past Mata Afa, but right now, this pick makes a little more sense, especially with the Packers drafting strategy. I think they go with guys that are deemed a little more safe, I guess, from a yeah. character standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. All right, 17, Washington. Seems like they're going to be able to keep Kirk Cousins <sighs> at least for now. So I went safety. I think it's a huge need for them, especially with Sua Craven's situation being completely up in the air. I mean, you've got 80-year-old D'Angelo Hall running around out there. So I went Derwin James from Florida State. <laughs> A lot of people wanted Derwin James to be something he's not. We saw the same thing last year with Jabril Peppers. Derwin James is a great athlete who I I question his instincts and I, and I question his like playmaking ability, but you cannot question the athleticism. I think the character is also really, really good. So I, I feel comfortable with him coming off the board at 17. Same here. I went with Derwin James as well. I think you know, Washington needs a safety. I think they could use some help on that secondary. I do think that they franchise tag Kirk Cousins again. I don't think he'll sign an extension there, but, you know, maybe they get a really good trade off for him. It would surprise me, but 
that would be the only way I could see them moving on from him right away like that. So, you know, take a guy that can really help you on the back end right away. And like you said, freak athlete. I think people wanted him to be Sean Taylor this year, and he's just not, you know, that kind of player. But at the same time, that doesn't mean he's a bad player. Yeah, I agree. And he's still coming back for the knee. So some of the, you know, being timid that we see could still come off. Uh, Atlanta, that Super Bowl hangover is for real. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Miami at 18. Getting ahead of myself. Damn it. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Uh, I went safety here as well. Uh, I went Ronnie Harrison, number 15 from Alabama. I I love this kid. And, and I think when you look at that team, they've drafted some young corners. But at safety, like Risha Jones is getting a little bit older. Uh, I And like Maurice Smith, they're starting free safety. He was a college free agent. I know they have TJ McDonald, but he's you know suspended. There's a lot of questions about him moving forward. I would still go safety. Ronnie Harrison, playmaker. I think he's kind of like Kenny Vaccaro in that he's best in the box but could play a little bit of anywhere. To me, that's a perfect fit for what they need. I went interior O-line with Will Hernandez, the guard out of UTEP. He plays on a team that is currently 0-9, so nobody talks about him, but Will Hernandez has been one of the best guards in the entire country over the last three years, just rock solid in pass protection. You know, just a great run blocker. I love what I've seen out of him. I think he's going to be a guy that rises after everybody starts to declare for the draft. He's a senior, so he'll be in the draft no matter what. But when people go back and start to just watch his cut-ups of a very bad UTEP team, they will find a diamond in the rough there. Miami, oh, man, do they need to find somebody better than Bushrod at guard, and I think Hernandez is their guy. Yeah, I like Hernandez. I think he's probably a top 50 pick. I mean, he might, like you said, he's flying way under the radar, but if you go back and look at what he did last year blocking for Aaron Jones, he is an impressive dude. So I I do like that pick. Okay, the one I tried to give away a little bit early, the Atlanta Falcons, trying to jump up there and, you know, get get their pick in ahead of Miami. I went Sam Hubbard, a defensive end from Ohio State. I think Atlanta's a really hard team to mock draft for because they, they are, have, yes. They have so many good young players. And so you you can look at okay, who's the best player available? I don't really need that guy. They don't really need that guy. They don't really need that guy. And so it's it's hard right now to say where the upgrade would be. I do think they could use another pass rusher. You know, Vic Beasley's more of a linebacker. They did pick up Tack McKinley last year, but I think Hubbard is more of your strong side pass rusher uh, who can give you a little bit more power. Yeah, the Falcons are so interesting because, you know, like you said, you just kind of look across the roster and you're like, why isn't this team very good again? And I think a lot of that does point in the direction of coaching. I took Cortland Sutton because... I think teams are able to focus so much on Julio Jones. And I think Mohamed Sanu is a fine number two option, but I'd like to get them, you know, another piece for their red zone offense. I think Cortland Sutton is a go up, win the football kind of player in the mold of Alshon Jeffrey. I believe that's something you said over summer when we previewed all these wide receivers. So if you put Cortland Sutton, Mohamed Sanu, Julio Jones, and that run game in the red zone, Matt Ryan should be throwing three to four touchdowns and putting up MVP type numbers again. Go get him help. I love what Sutton can be at the NFL with better quarterback play, and the Falcons, they need they need some help this year. They've just been flat. Yeah, and I think, like, Mohamed Sanu has not been, well, at least what I thought he would be getting in there. So yeah. I, I do like that move. It's, it's an underrated need for them. All right, how about the probably one of the biggest surprises in the NFL this year would be the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're picking at 20. They're 5-3. and three. I went quarterback. I think they're winning right now in spite of Blake Bortles, who is... He'll be with them for another year after this year. They picked up the options they have him for 2018. I went Mason Rudolph from Oklahoma State. I don't personally believe that Mason Rudolph is worth a top 20 pick, but 
supply versus demand kind of dictates that he there's a good chance he will be because there's such a big need for quarterbacks. I've said before in articles, I think he fits Tom Coughlin and Doug Marone's style. He's not going to turn the ball over. And he doesn't have the biggest arm. He's not the best athlete. But he's just a really smart, competent quarterback who is accurate and has enough ability to get outside the pocket and, and do some things with his feet. So a reach, in my opinion, but someone who could be very good on a team that has the table set out for him, right? Like good receivers, great running back, an improved offensive line, and arguably the best defense in the NFL right now. So I see that as a situation where Mason Rudolph could win some ball games. This roster is very, very impressive, and Doug Marone is getting the most out of them right now. It all comes back to they need more out of the quarterback position. I think they'll look in free agency, whether that's a guy like Alex Smith, maybe they get in the Kirk Cousins sweepstakes, maybe Teddy Bridgewater gets cut free and they, they roll the dice on him and you know make Blake Bortles the backup. I took Roquan Smith, the, the thought that Paul Puzlesny is 33, I think going on 34 next year and is going to be a free agent at the end of the year, and that I can't think of a more fun linebacker trio than Miles Jack, Telvin Smith, oh, and, Ro- so much speed. and Roquan Smith. Good luck doing anything against those guys with that defensive line in front of them and those corners on their sides. So, you know, let's have some fun. Let's get Jacksonville the best linebacker you know, trio in the entire NFL. Tennessee Titans up next. I went defensive line here. I look at their defensive ends in that 3-4 scheme. They're getting older. They need more of a pass rush. I have Christian Wilkins here from Clemson, and he's an interesting dude because when I when I just grade the player, I think he's probably like a top 12 guy in this year's class. There's just not a huge need. So he falls down the board a little bit. He could definitely go earlier in one of those best player available situations. But I think for Tennessee, you just plug him in as a 3-4 defensive end for the next eight years, and you're going to be in really good shape. Yeah, I think the Titans need some defensive help as well. I took Isaiah Oliver, the long corner out of Colorado. Love that, yeah. Know. Yeah, we had a long, in-depth talk about him last week. I know he was your college player to know. I think he's the best press corner in this draft, or at least a top two to three press corner in this draft. He's got length. I think Tennessee has really tried to address their cornerback situation, and they've just kind of failed. Logan Ryan hasn't been very good. Dory Jackson is... You know what he thought we 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 thought he was. He's not a first round type prospect at corner. He was more of an athlete. So go get a guy that will be feisty at the line of scrimmage, that can play the ball down the field, that has the length and just can jam at the line of scrimmage. I really like Isaiah Oliver in this class. Yeah, I do as well. Yeah, he I compared him to Desmond Trufant uh, when he was coming out of Washington. So big fan there. Seattle Seahawks, another hard team to mock for, just because like they kind of marched to the beat of their own drum. They filled their biggest need, training for Dwayne Brown. I could see them going receiver here. I could even see another offensive lineman or another pass rusher. But I want running back Damian Harris from Alabama. I think he's just such a good fit for them. And like, if you look at their running backs, they have names. Like they have dudes where you're like, oh man, I forgot he played there. Like they have Eddie Lacy and they have Thomas Rawls and they have CJ Procise. And it's just, they don't have a guy though. Like they don't have that one back that you can just rely on game after game after game. So I went Damian Harris. I, I think with his vision and his power and his burst, he would get that offense back on track. He would take a lot of pressure off Russell Wilson, which looking at when I watch the film, that's what I think needs to happen. Russ can't carry this team. Damian Harris would be a big boost for him. Yeah, I like that pick because I do like similar with the Lions. Doesn't it feel like they're a team that yeah. just needs to get a workhorse guy that they're like, this is the guy. This is just getting the the bulk of the touches. Let's funnel the offense through or the run game through him. I do like getting Russ Wilson some help. 
I saw the similar range, you know, here for Christian Wilkins as you did the pick before, the defensive lineman out of Clemson, where, like you said, he grades out as a top 10 to 12 player, but you just don't really see a place for him in the top 12 picks. So, it, you know, Seattle taking a defensive lineman, shocking, right? But you don't really know what you're going to get from Malik McDowell next year coming off this ATV incident. Sheldon Richardson, you gave up a big price for him, giving up a second-round pick and Jermaine Curse, but there's no guarantee that you extend him. He's probably going to hit for agency and take every last dollar he can get so you get the best player available here. It happens to be on the defensive line that could solve a need at the time in Christian Wilkins. Dallas Cowboys, a team that, gosh, if if they could ever get everyone on the field at the same time, they could be amazing. They have some moves they need to make a free agency. I think they need to lock up Demarcus Lawrence, who's having a tremendous year. I look at corner, outside corner specifically, as a big need for them. Even after drafting uh, Chidobia Wuzier and Jordan Lewis last year, I would go Holton Hill from Texas, who flying a bit under the radar, but I keep saying he's my top corner. 6'3", 200 pounds. He's a physical playmaker in the pass game, in the run game. He has PBUs, he has picks, so he could flip the field. And would be, I think, a great fit in front of like a defensive line that is really getting better. And they're probably going to have to address the receiver position at some point, whether it's in free agency or early in the draft. But for now, I, I would go Holton Hill and not just, oh, Texas going to Dallas. But I think he's actually a great fit for what they're trying to do. How much money is Demarcus Lawrence about to get this off? Oh, he's going to get paid. Yeah. It's going to be crazy. Without a doubt. So my thought is they do bring back Demarcus Lawrence on a huge contract of the franchise tag, but I also took Arden Key because I think they don't stop there. I think they need a pass rusher across from him. I don't know if Taco Charlton's really the guy to get after the quarterback, so you take Key here who's going to continue to rise, might be out of range for them when all is said and done, but I just love the pass rush duo of Demarcus Lawrence and Arden Key for Dallas right here. Yeah, if Key's available... I know some some people, and we would probably be the same way, like, ooh, Dallas takes another talented defensive end with off-field question marks. Yeah, like, right. Shocker. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Okay, the Buffalo Bills have back-to-back picks thanks to their trade with the Kansas City Chiefs, so I'm just going to rip both mine off. I went defensive tackle Draymond Jones from Ohio State and wide receiver Christian Kirk from Texas A&M. With Kirk, I'm going under the assumption that they need some speed at receiver uh, because like, Zay Jones is not the fastest guy, and he's struggled this year. Kelvin Benjamin is definitely not the fastest guy. Neither is Jordan Matthews. So this rounds out that receiving core, gives him some speed. With Draymond Jones, Marcel Darius is gone. You got to get someone on the interior of that defensive line uh, that can kind of be your building block, can be your pass rusher. I think he's a great fit with Sean McDermott as well. Yeah, I like that. I really like getting them some speed at the wide receiver position after they sent off Sammy Watkins this offseason. So I took your guy, Josh Allen, right here. I think this is such a good landing spot for him. Now, you know, I I don't know if he falls this far because of his traits and talent. And, you know, NFL teams will believe in him. But, man, would Buffalo be such a good landing spot for him to sit behind Tyrod for a year or two? He's just a big-armed, big-bodied quarterback. I think he'd be a nice fit there for Buffalo. And, And I think when you look at... You know what they do if they are in back-to-back situations. I don't know if they fully are believers in Shaq Lawson. I know he wasn't their pick. He's been good against the run this year. Doesn't offer a ton against you know as a pass rusher, but I do think they look to you know still kind of get that unit you know a pass rush unit upgraded a little bit. I took the pass rusher out of Oklahoma, Okaronquo. I always botch yeah. his name. I think I finally got it, but he's got a lot of he's got a high motor off the edge. I think he's strong. I think he's pretty explosive. I do see this being his range in the draft, kind of that. 20 to 35 kind of range. And I think, you know, I I do think McDermott's going to want to 
keep adding pieces to his defense while looking to find what is the future is of the offense. So if you get Allen and Okoronkwo back to back, I think that'd be a pretty nice win for Buffalo. Yeah. And let's move on to Carolina at pick 20. Folks. Oh, yeah. 26. I can't read my own writing today. Pick 26. <laughs> I went speed at receiver here as well. They trade Kelvin Benjamin away. And when you watch like they are not the same team without someone like Ted Ginn uh, taking the top off the defense, opening things up. I know Curtis Samuel, the hope is that he can be that guy. I still think they need another speedy receiver to work opposite Devin Funches. So I went Deion Kane. You said it perfectly before. The opportunities haven't been there this year at Clemson just because the the offense and the you know Kelly Bryant still kind of figuring it out at quarterback. He's much better than his numbers. I still think he's a first-round pick and really gives them, we talked about rounding out the receiving core for other teams. Now you have Funches, Kane, Curtis Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, Greg Olson. That's a that's a pretty damn good wide receiver room. Yeah, I think it's safe to say this episode has been me and you driving the Kane train. I think we're finally <laughs> getting him back. We're getting him in yeah. round one because you don't want people to box score scout him because he's a much better player than that. I, I really like the fit there. I do think he ends up going in the first round or at least the top of day two. I took Orlando Brown because I just can't have Khalil at, at left tackle anymore behind Cam Newton. It's You can't have Cam Newton taking these kind of shots. We'll see, you know, how Brown grades out when all is said and done. He's the best offensive tackle on the board here for me right now. Get the you know offensive line some help, a guy that can hopefully be your franchise left tackle, and get Cam Newton back to what he was the year they went to the Super Bowl. Yep, yep. We're both on the same. Got to fix that offense. All right, Pittsburgh Steelers. And I know we said this with a couple other teams. I find the Steelers really hard to draft for just because Very. it's like, and the way that they internally value their players can be wildly different than how I see them. So at pick number 27, I went linebacker Malik Jefferson. I know they have Shazier and Vince Williams. I think Jefferson gives them kind of like a utility knife at linebacker. He could play in the middle. He can rush off the edge. He's been most productive this year at Texas, actually blitzing and rushing off the edge. I know some people in the NFL think he might actually be an edge. So he gives you some versatility, some speed, a guy who can cover tight ends. And it is definitely not the biggest need for them. But I I just like the fit there. Yeah, I went a little outside the box here. I went with Carlton Davis, the corner out of Auburn, just because I think with his length and man coverage ability, I think he's going to be a riser in this draft. And I think the Steelers, yes, you got Joe Hayden. He's played really well this year. I know you used a high pick on Artie Burns not too long ago, but keep adding corners for a defense that's been absolutely great. And I really like what I've seen out of Davis. Yeah, and that's a name that got on my radar thanks to you. So appreciate that one. Uh, Minnesota yeah, we were watching Auburn. We were watching Auburn during lunch uh, <laughs> on Saturday, and I was, hey, look at look at this yeah. corner on yeah, Auburn. Corner's pretty good. Uh, Minnesota Vikings. Here's a pick that this is more what I've heard than what I would do. Uh, offense tackle Orlando Brown, and you talked about him before. My grade on him will probably be mid second round if I had to guess right now. The NFL I've heard loves this kid though because he's six eight three forty. His dad played in the NFL. It's. I don't want to say it's an Eric Flowers situation, but it might be an Eric Flowers situation Ooh, where God. where he just his value is much higher than what you see on the field. But I think the Vikings, even though they spent in free agency last year and they did draft uh, Pat Elfline to play center, any offensive tackle still need for them. So Orlando Brown here, not what I would do, but there are a lot of people in the NFL who think this kid could be a top fifteen pick. They really like him, so we'll see. I guess we'll we'll see who's right in a couple of years. 
Yeah, he's got a ways to go. Like, I, I know I just took him to Carolina saying, you know, oh, best OT on the board. But I kind of agree with you where it's like, I think this is how the NFL thinks. I, I actually liked, and his name is, I'm drawing a blank now, but the kid from West Georgia that was college player to know not too long ago. Oh, yeah, Desmond Harrison. Texas. Yeah, yeah I, I like him better as an overall player. So it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. But um, getting back to the Vikings, I took Ronnie Harrison here. I think putting him next to Harrison Smith and getting a downhill thumper, I believe, you had him to the Vikings not too long ago in one of your mock drafts. It's one of those things where you look at their roster and you say, man, they have so much talent. Let's take one of the guys that's one of the best players available at a spot that they could fit him at strong safety. Yeah, jeez, that would be a fun, uh, fun to watch. Defense. Oh, man. So L.A. Chargers, I think, are the biggest surprise team this year. Or the L.A. Rams, sorry, biggest surprise team this year with how quickly they've turned it over. I look at that defense, and I see a massive need for corners. So I'm with Isaiah Oliver. You had mentioned him before as your pick to the Titans. He's physical. He's athletic. He's long. And he's really, I mean, he has been a shutdown corner this year against some very good Pac-12 receivers. So I, I love his upside. I, I think you could put him in that secondary and expect him to be, I mean, within two years, he's the best corner in that secondary. Yeah, and with Tremaine Johnson possibly leaving in free agency, I think that's a great fit. It's funny how we see things exactly the same sometimes and just peg in different players because our boards fell differently. I went Holton Hill thinking, get a long press corner here. Isaiah Oliver was off yep. the board for me. Hill was off the board for you. We just flipped them. The Rams get a press corner from Matt and Isaiah Oliver. They get a press corner from me and Holton Hill. I think that's an easy solution, especially if Johnson leaves in free agency. All right, the New England Patriots at 30 Hey, chances are they probably don't even keep this pick because it's Bill Belichick, but we we both went the same way here. You can connect a lot of dots from Bill Belichick to Nick Saban, from Bill Belichick to Alabama, and we went Alabama linebacker Rashad Evans, who is a, he's exactly what the Patriots go for, right? He's a great leader. He's physical, tough, Plays athletic, hard. smart. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's almost, I remember when Malcolm Brown came out of Texas and it was like, God, he looks like a Patriot. Like he just looked and felt like a Patriot. And I kept I kept putting that pick on mock drafts, and that was ultimately who they picked. So I think sometime you can just say, like, this is their type, you know, and Rashad Evans is definitely Bill Belichick's type. Oh, teams definitely have a type. And once again, me and you thought the same thing here with Evans. And also, you have to factor in that Hightower hasn't been able to stay healthy. Yes, they gave him you know a decent contract this offseason, but you can't rely on him anymore to be on the field. So go get your guy of the future, and Evans that is also, I think, potential to be a plug-and-play player next year. Yeah, absolutely. All right, New Orleans Saints at 31. Uh, another surprise team. They've been much better on defense this year. They have a young offensive line. I think an area where they need a little more help is at wide receiver. I went Cortland Sutton giving, I don't know, Drew Brees is free after this year. He's also getting very old, so he might not be the long-term solution, but whomever is at quarterback is going to need more targets. And I think Sutton gives you, like we've seen what Evan Ingram has done this year. I, I think Cortland Sutton's pretty similar to him. Like he can play in the slot. He could play outside. He could be a matchup problem. They have my guy, Mike Thomas, who I love. They have Ted Ginn, who's been making plays. I think there's a need for another outside wide receiver here, and Sutton would give them just a ton of matchup potential at kind of that. He's probably going to be your Z receiver, but he could be a matchup dude. That would be a lot of fun, especially if Drew Brees doesn't plan on slowing down anytime soon. You go and get him another playmaker there. I took Baker Mayfield thinking that at some point Drew Brees has to slow down, although he keeps <laughs> proving us wrong. So I don't know if Baker can find his way into the first round. I just think teams are going to question, can he play in the pocket? You know, he's probably under six feet tall or right at the six feet mark. It's going to be classic old and old school NFL evaluations, the knocks on him and all of that. But listen, 
I think this is a good fit. I think he'd be great under Sean Payton, and I think it would give him the time to sit behind Breeze for one or two years and come in. And He's not going to be Drew Breeze. I hate when people make that comp, but can he be a very good middle-of-the-pack starting quarterback, especially in that New Orleans offense? Yes. I like it just because I want to see them together. It'd be fun, right? Let's have some fun with it. It would be a blast. Yeah. All right, Philly at 32. uh, Best record in the NFL. Congrats to our boy Adam Lefko. Uh, I went linebacker here, Roquan Smith. I think they need to get a little more athletic at that position. But And I know we've said this for a few teams. I actually find Philly very hard to draft for at this point. And especially if you don't value like a developmental offensive tackle here just because of the age and injuries to Jason Peters. I'm imagining they keep Alshon Jeffrey in free agency. So I didn't go receiver here. I just think getting another linebacker and Smith could play outside, he could play inside. That's where I see the probably the biggest need being right now. Yeah, I went with the thought that they got JGI now, so they got their workhorse, you know, power power type runner. Let's go get another running back that's their change of pace, their down guy, and Ronald Jones from USC. And now Carson Wentz would have all the weapons in the world to work with. You got speed in Jones, power in Ajayi. Like you said, keep Alshon Jeffrey, keep this receiving core together. You know, the offensive line, obviously, when it's back to full health, will be as good as ever. And the Eagles offense, man, God, have they been so impressive this year. I say have some fun and keep getting them pieces. I can totally see Doug Peterson watching Ronald Jones and having flashbacks to Kansas City and flashbacks to Jamal Charles. And just be like, oh, I could have fun with this guy. And they wanted wanted Dalvin Cook last year. So put that together that they, they want some speed. They want an outside runner with some speed and a pass catcher. So get your guy in Jones this year. Love it. All right. That's our first Ooh, round. Man. That's like that 50, was... 50 minutes of mock drafting. So a lot of y'all have been asking, like, you want to mock drafts on the podcast? You want us to dive into more players? Shit, you just got one. Because that was, <laughs> you never know, like, a Long, mock draft. But... You, yeah, like, oh, it'll take 20 minutes. Uh, 50 minutes later, there's your mock draft. Uh, I need a drink of water. And, Me too. I'm and dying. I, <laughs> and then we'll, we'll call Kennedy up. And we'll finish this sucker out. She has us loaded up with like eight or nine draft on draft questions. So it's going to be a lot of fun. We will take one more break. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to episode 31 of Stick to Football. And we are joined by our lovely intern, Kennedy, and she's got plenty of good draft on draft questions for us. So you made it through the mock draft. You made it through the (laughs) potential disaster that could be the Indianapolis Colts. And now we are here for you to answer your questions. Okay, Connor, this one was your favorite question of the week from Wes Schweer on Twitter. Every year teams take the heat for passing up on a quarterback, but could you expect the same results on a different team? Like would Watson or Wentz be lighting it up in Cleveland or New York? Man, it's a great question because they wouldn't have the same success. Like, would Deshaun Watson be working with Bill O'Brien and throwing to New Hopkins and Will Fuller with the Browns or the Jets? And I know people have been giving, you know, Johnny Morton some love, but at the same time, he's not Bill O'Brien. The offense is obviously very, very different than what Watson is doing. So, no, you, you can't you can't go back and you can kill a team in certain situations like the Browns should have taken Carson Wentz. This isn't rocket science. At some point, Sashi Brown needs to stop trading and actually take a franchise quarterback to help his coaching staff. But to say they'd have MVP caliber success 
in those situations wouldn't be fair. Yeah, I agree. I think the way I look at it is Carson Wentz would not be on an 8-1 and one team setting records in Cleveland. But the Browns would have that talent to build upon. And if they could get the right coach, and if they could give him a supporting cast, because like the Browns' offensive line is really good when healthy. And Duke Johnson's really good when healthy. And David Njoku could be really good. So there's enough there to build upon. I think the question, like, quarterbacks, we, we talk about this all the time around the draft, that situations matter so much. And so if you could, if you're Cleveland and you have a smart owner who can hire a smart GM, who can look at the big picture of putting the puzzle together and say, okay, we could get Carson Wentz. Do I have a coach that could coach him up? Do I do I have a receiver that could be his go-to guy? So you have to, if you have the quarterback though, it allows you to fill in everything else. It's like having a corner down on the puzzle. It like makes everything else easier when you say, oh, okay, well, shit, we'll just do this and this and this, as opposed to now you're three years in and don't have the quarterback and you keep messing up the quarterback. It It's like you don't know any, you don't even have the picture to put the puzzle together off of. So I, I think that's where it's a little different. Sam Robinson on Twitter asked, what's the most challenging part of player evaluations? Oh, without a doubt, it's getting the character part right. And not just like, not character, like easy. I can Google and find out if a kid's been arrested, right? Or most states actually have a website you can go on and look up like legal records. You know, you just put their name in and, oh, okay, this kid's been arrested for this, this, and this. The hard part is knowing work ethic and like what will happen when you're rich and you're getting hit and you're getting yelled at, and you're getting pushed, and you're expected to work out all the time. You know, like, we talked a little earlier about the whole, oh, missing on Trent Richardson. Yeah, like, we all, <laughs> everyone but Jim Brown missed on Trent Richardson. And what we couldn't know when he came out was how he would respond to adversity and how he would respond to not having massive, all you know, offensive linemen opening these huge holes for him. And eventually, like, you know, mentally and physically, he just kind of broke down and it was never able to recover. And so I think that's the hardest part is is trying to be like a psychologist and know how these guys are going to respond to adversity or money or being coached a certain way. There's just so much that goes into the the mental aspect of it. Without a doubt. Does he love football? You know, is he committed yeah. to football? Do, you know, do, is he going to fit in your locker room, your culture under your coaching staff? Those kind of questions are so hard to get the truthful answers because you might be talking to people at schools that want to hype up their players to go higher in the draft to make it easier for the school to recruit. You you could be swayed the wrong way by agents. You never know. There's so many things that go into it, and that's where having reliable relationships in this industry makes all the difference in you being right or wrong at times. As crazy as that sounds, your relationships can really make the difference, and that all comes back to character. Is there a player that sta- that stands out to you guys that you know scouts told you, hey, we're not going to draft this player because of their character flaws. Yeah. I don't think I can name names. <laughs> oh yeah. That's, but yes. Uh, yeah. There's a lot, of, a lot of stories, you know, one day Matt, we'll have to do just a show an unfiltered show of like different stories that we'd be comfortable telling, yeah. but we'd have to get that signed off in advance. Cause that can get dicey with not even just people in our company, but you know, I could get representation. <laughs> I, like, I'll, yeah, I've told yeah. this one before. You get the point. Where I had someone tell me that uh, they were downgrading Derek Carr because he was married. It's like, that's just what? how, yeah, because he wouldn't be committed as committed to football because he had like a wife and kid to worry about. 
So like that's not a and it gets much more one. wild than that. Yeah, yeah, it really does. But that's like a safe one that I've told before. But yeah, we get all the stuff of like this kid's bipolar, this kid's on drugs, this kid's like you know still attached to his friends from back home who are going to ruin his career. And so there is definitely a lot that goes into it. That uh, yeah, you. I'm never going to be the guy who puts it out there unless there's like an arrest record that I can point to and say, this is like a substantiated fact. It's not just someone's opinion. Okay. Chase Hammies on iTunes asked, where do you see Kirk Cousins ending up this offseason? We were talking about this earlier. I guess Washington. It's such It's so hard to predict because they've mismanaged this so awfully that maybe they try to transition tag and trade him. Maybe they try to franchise tag and trade him. But who who the fuck knows what they're doing? Because <laughs> there's just that's the, the best way to say there's it. no leadership there and there's no like consistency there. So I man, I don't know. I had someone tell me before the year that he was gonna that he was gone. And I just assumed he was gonna go to San Francisco because of all the connections. Obviously that's not gonna happen now, but it, I I really don't know. As soon as we know something, we'll tell you, Chase. I promise, buddy. <laughs> yeah, here's how it goes. Does Kirk Cousins want to be there? Hell fucking no. But does Kirk Cousins have to be there? Yeah, yep. he does. Because the team has so much control over you with the franchise tag. Even if the cap number is so enormous when you do this third year bullshit shenanigans where it's like over $30 million cap hit or whatever. Now, if Kirk Cousins just gets to walk out of Washington and hit the open market, should teams like the Jaguars and New York Jets be jumping at the chance to sign him without giving up any picks to get a franchise quarterback? Hell yes, but I don't think Washington's going to let it go that easily. I think they'll tag him and say, hey, if we can't find the right trade, we'll play with him another year and figure it out. Just keep kicking the can down the road. Jacob Engel on iTunes asked, what quarterback would be the best option for the Steelers to draft? I think it's Josh Allen, just because I, I think Ben's giving me around for a couple more years, and it's such a seamless scheme fit transition. Like, a 6'5", 240-pound quarterback with an enormous arm who can scramble and make plays with his feet. So I, I think it would be Josh Allen, but that's on a the idea that he's not going to have to play right away. I think... I, I, it's weird because I've come almost full circle on this, but I do think arm strength matters in places like Cleveland and Chicago and Pittsburgh. Like you have to have a certain level of arm strength to be able to get the job done. And as much as I like Sam Darnold, as much as I like Baker Mayfield, like and even Lamar Jackson, who can rip it, is just so inconsistent with it that that would push me more to Josh Allen. Yeah, I think you make a really good point about the arm strength, Matt. And I, I was going to say, if I could just pick any of them, I would say Sam Darnold because I think Todd Haley really wants a guy that's just willing to work with him and can be accurate in that intermediate range. But the arm strength does concern me. I, I would still take Darnold because I think their working relationship would be really beneficial for both sides. And I do think Darnold, you know, a lot of people were projecting him as the savior instantly right away. He's probably another guy that could use time to sit a little bit. Maybe it's a Jared Goff situation where he does play as a rookie, but he gets the last seven games or so. It just I don't think he should be thrown into the fire right away. And I think with the Steelers, it's really interesting because it almost seems like Ben could just retire at any given moment and they'll be left with what? So it's just a fascinating situation in Pittsburgh, specifically at the quarterback spot. Taken, please pick another on iTunes, asked, how often will a player barely be on your radar at this point in the season and then pop up on your big board top 50 by the time of the draft? 
Oh, it happens. It's it would happen mostly if it's an underclassman, just because like, I try to prioritize which underclassmen I watch based off recommendations from scouts and college coaches and agents. You know, you try to get like a okay, these are the guys I'm going to watch. But then sometimes, like last year, Solomon Thomas, being a redshirt sophomore, I you know I didn't ex- didn't know if he would declare or not, so I didn't prioritize watching him early. And then by the time I did, it was like, oh, okay, well, this is a top 10 player. I don't, I think he ultimately ended up top five for me. So if it happens, it's not because it's not because we don't like know who the guy is. It's just because you haven't prioritized them because of their like of their class standing. Yeah, I, I think it happens a lot, honestly, because you just like Matt said, there's just guys that you don't necessarily know about yet that were that weren't really expected to declare or they got a higher grade, you know, from the advisory board than we expected with really young guys, sometimes small school guys too. So it definitely happens. I'm not going to say 20 out of the 50 players are like, oh, we weren't talking about this guy in December. You know, most of the time you have a general idea, but can one or two or maybe three find their way in there without a doubt? Shane Merriman on Twitter asked, if you're Kansas City, do you trade Alex Smith or keep Smith to groom Mahomes more? I trade him. I, yeah, I do. And I yeah. I know he's like... A, Get the value now, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm all about... If Bill Belichick has taught us anything, it's that you always sell high. Yes. And I, I think that's what... With Alex Smith, he has one year left on his deal after this. Uh, so if you're going to trade him, it's going to be a cap hit. Uh, but I would, I would at least try it. Because you know, he's, what, 33 years old? And he's yeah. going to be a free agent after 2018 anyway. And you trade it up to draft Mahomes. Yeah, I, I think you at least see what's out there. And if you can't trade, then you can't afford to keep him for another year and let him let him fight it out in camp a little bit. But I, I think if you trade it up for Mahomes, you you gotta feel pretty good that he's gonna be your guy. Yeah, he should be ready to be on the field next year at least, right? Like especially with this team that's around him. When Mahomes was coming out, I said, you know, maybe he does need two years, but when you fall under Andy Reid in a situation on a roster as talented as Kansas City, you would ho- you would hope that he'd be ready to go next year. And you make the perfect point, Matt, where you want to get some kind of value back for Smith before just letting him walk into free agency the following offseason. And you're like, man, we probably could have had maybe what? You know, a third rounder that can become a two depending on how many starts he makes. I think they'd much rather have that asset. Now, recently, a lot of guys have been tweeting me saying, hey, you know, Matt and Connor, we really want to do what you guys do. You know, we want to be exactly like you guys. They had a question. What are some good sites other than draft breakdown to watch film and kind of get started with watching film? Oh, gosh. The, I, we were telling someone film? this weekend. <laughs> it's Yeah, you. there's nowhere to watch film. One thing you can do, though, is just hop on YouTube. I had to do this last week because I wanted to watch a player and couldn't, uh, you know, couldn't like quickly get uh, film access. You can like go on YouTube and just like Google, you know, search North Carolina State versus Notre Dame or, or something like that. And you can find the broadcast, full broadcast of games. And, you know, you could you pause and fast forward. And I, I'm sure that's where a lot of the draft breakdown guys get stuff. I'm a huge draft breakdown fan. Uh, always have been a big supporter of theirs. If, if they're listening and I could just like mildly complain about something, there is not that much tape on there this year. I know I was trying to get Mello set up to watch some guys and he was like, you know, on the road. So it's like, oh, we'll just hop on draft breakdown. There aren't many videos this year. And I know they've gone to like a pay model. It's like $2 a month. It's worth, it's worth it. Like help people out $2 a month, whatever. 
but they they do need to get a little more film out there. Yeah, I'll be the first. To say, I I love draft breakdown, but I just I haven't used it in about two years now for the most part consistently because. Number one, at the Bleacher Report office, we record all the games, so I have a server set up with all the games, at least the broadcast version, so no all 22 right away, obviously. And then also, if you really want to see a cut-up of a quarterback or a premium player, you go on YouTube and search Baker Mayfield versus UTEP, and there's a chance, there's a very good chance that some random YouTube account has cut up all those plays for you conveniently, so... It's amazing what YouTube can do. And YouTube used to be the highlights factory for players and prospects. Now it's everything is and, on there. And I, check Reddit, too. Like, if you search on Reddit, I, I've yep. heard of people finding a lot of a lot of stuff on there, too. Our last question of the day is from Miles Jamison on Twitter. They've made the comparison a lot between Jabril Peppers and Derwin James lately. What are the differences, though, as prospects? Oh, Wow. Derwin's bigger. Uh, it's probably the, the one I can think of most. I think Derwin's freshman year, he showed more of the potential that we actually never saw from Jabril, where he was he was actually a playmaker. I think with, with Jabril, he was so hyped because of the playing offense and being a return man. Yeah. And, you know, Michigan made him the face of that program. I think Derwin is just a little better football player. He really is. And, so like my questions with Jabril were always instincts and you know awareness. With Derwin, now it's like, I think he's seeing it. I just don't think he's wanting to go get the ball or he's not wanting to go make a tackle because I don't know if he's you know trying to play for that paycheck and he doesn't want to get hurt. I don't know if he's timid coming back off the knee injury. That's one of those things we were talking about before where you got to like try to figure out what's going on mentally with these kids. And I, I would say right now that Derwin is a a much just a much better like naturally instinctive football player yeah I agree I think he's actually a safety uh, when Jabril Peppers it's like well, we have to play him at safety I guess because he doesn't want to play running back and I thought that was his best position not a linebacker not a corner at least with Derwin I think the evaluation is a little easier where you're like okay well what can he do for us at safety and maybe you do at the next level give him a little bit of that Jamal Adams freedom that we've seen with the Jets where he comes down in the box and kind of plays that edge outside linebacker role when you need it on run-stopping downs. I think, like you said, he's just a bigger player. I think he's a more natural fit. And I do think that we've seen more flashes of this all-world potential we've heard about for so long in his young college career, where with Jabril, it just felt like we were waiting for it so often. Yeah, and people just hyped up Jabril Peppers from the moment he got to Michigan. I just felt like a lot of people expected too much out of him. As a freshman when he came yeah, so Yeah, we were yeah, it was supposed to be a big era at Michigan. Yeah, like, oh, is he the next Charles Woodson? Yeah. And I'm just like, I think it was the only time I've said fuck on the Facebook show. And I was like, <laughs> no, like, stop this. It's like the dumbest stuff ever. Charles Woodson's one of the best corners of all time. Ever. Jabril, at the time, Jabril didn't even have a pick in college. So, ugh, yeah, what a nightmare. But yeah, I I hope Jabril works out. But I I just don't see it happening. Well, guys, that is it for Rats. these questions this week. Yeah, ending on a high note, get me all worked up, and then yeah. <laughs> then let me go. Yeah, we had we had a we had a grand old time with the mock draft, a grand old time answering questions, and then we got down the Jabril Peppers rabbit yep. hole of the Did Browns. Like we always start, always start and finish with the Browns. Yeah, it always does. And we will have another show for you Friday morning. Stick to Football Fridays with myself and Mello. 
We're going to fix the Bucks. Uh, I know he has a lot of thoughts on Jameis Winston's pregame speech. Oh, boy. I don't even uh, want to yeah, start with that. It's going to get interesting. He's already asked me what we can and can't say uh, before <laughs> he gets... Hey, technically, he's not, oh, no. he's not employed by us, so he can't really get fired, I don't think. But I can, so I got to be careful with that. But it will definitely be a fun show. Keep sending those iTunes questions and reviews. Kennedy and I were talking before before the show today. Those are amazing. We are at like 179 last time I checked. So yeah, it's, uh, it's we're getting awesome. we're getting close to 200, which we'll have to Ooh. somehow celebrate for. So thank you guys. I for would your- like to hear everyone's picks this week in the iTunes reviews. Oh, we mocked. Like we that. made a mock draft pick for all your teams. Now tell us why we're wrong and who you have taken. Yeah, yeah. Jet, review our mock draft in your review. That'd be a lot of fun. We got to remember to say this at the top of the show. If you've listened this long, thank you. And, and <laughs> please, please leave Ooh, yeah. a review. So, all right. For Connor Kennedy, I'm Matt. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks. Thanks.